live in a broken world where broken things happen. So it's not surprising that things get broken in our lives as well. But what about those times when things aren't just broken, but shattered beyond repair, shattered to the point of dust? At least when things are broken, there's some hope that you can glue the pieces back together. But what if there aren't even pieces to pick up in front of you? You can't glue dust. It's hard to hold dust. What was once something so very precious is now reduced to nothing but weightless powder. Even the slightest wind could carry away. We feel desperately hopeless. Dust begs us to believe the promises of God no longer apply to us, that the reach of God falls just short of where we are, and that the hope of God has been snuffed out by the consuming darkness all around us. We want God to fix it all, edit this story so that it has a different ending, repair this heartbreaking reality. But what if fixing, editing, and repairing isn't all what God has in mind for us in the shattering? What if, this time, God desires to make something completely brand new, right now, on this side of eternity? no matter how shattered our circumstances may seem. Dust is the exact ingredient God loves to use. We think the shattering in our lives could not possibly be for any good, but what if shattering is the only way to get dust back to its basic form so that something new can be made? Welcome, friends. This is Mary again, and I have one of my best friends here, Diane, and I'm so excited to hear from her today. She's had an experience with this, and and as you were reading that, Diane, I just thought, you know, God makes us out of the dust of the earth, and we're not any shabby things, so (laughs) we're pretty good, and a human life is amazing, right? Just tell us more about what you've learned about that quote, because that's just so beautiful. Who does it come from? It came from a book. Oh, yeah. Her name is, I'm not sure how to say her name. She's a Christian author, and I've really enjoyed, it's out of a book called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And I feel that (laughs) can be kind of the title of my life. But her name is Lisa it's spelled T-E-R-K-E-U-R-S-T. I would, I would want to give her credit. Yeah, because that's her quote. But she was kind of in a situation where she ended up getting divorced, is, is what I'm assuming in reading the book. And it, it just broke her heart. And I think we all struggle with different degrees of things that challenge us, you know. First of all, just give us a little background in of your life. Sure. I had a a pretty great life. I've I've had a really <laughs> great life, to tell you the truth. I've had wonderful friends and a fantastic husband, and I feel so lucky. And Mary, you're among them. I I have been surrounded by amazing people, and I feel so grateful for that. Um, but in a nutshell, um, Joseph and I have struggled with infertility. We adopted a little boy as an infant, and loved that experience and um, wanted more children after that experience. And we ended up adopting a sibling group from foster care. When the adoption was final, we had a nine-year-old, an eight-year-old, 
a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, and a, a four-turning five-year-old. So we adopted some older children from foster care that had had a pretty difficult life prior to our home. Their birth parents struggled with a heroin addiction that kind of ruled their lives and wreaked chaos. And um, I kind of thought that love would be enough, that we would bring them into a healthy, stable home and um, that we could surely turn them around to our way of thinking. <laughs> Um, well, you are certainly one of the most loving people who I know. <laughs> if anybody could do that, to to just love somebody into into a wonderful life, I think you could. But go ahead and tell us. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it as it turned out, I've learned a lot about a condition called reactive attachment disorder. Um, I'll I'll read the definition if that's okay. <laughs> but it's a condition where a child doesn't form healthy emotional bonds with their caretaker or parent. And the reason that it happens if a child's basic needs for comfort, affection, and nurturing are meant in infancy, or, or mostly they say by the, by the age of three, they learn they can't count on the adults in their lives to meet their needs. And then they grow up with some level of an attachment disorder. And because so much of our life is about attachments, having children with attachment disorders, it, it's tricky. And love isn't enough to get them out of that because they've been disordered. I have two children specifically that really struggle with that. It's also those two children that are the most intense. <laughs> and so their level of chaos and it, it's difficult. So tell me more about what you've learned from this experience. I know that you said that you you thought that love would be enough. What else have you needed? What other tools in your toolbox have you needed to help yeah. you get through this? I have learned that, and this was not my personality. Um, I've learned that boundaries are a healthy thing. God uses boundaries. I think he has certain requirements. I've learned that... God knew me, that he knew I would need these experiences about love and forgiveness. It's hard to love those who repeatedly hurt you that are unrepentant. But I needed that practice to form me. I think that's why I love that quote about dust. There have been many times when I thought things were shattered beyond where I could get back to. And, uh, Love and nurturing can't erase those problems that began in my kids' early lives, but there's something in the beauty of ashes and dust that that God, well, he shows his hand. Um, he can make good even when, I, I think it's that beauty for ashes idea that, or or dust, you know, that that he can make it all right and that that the atonement, that that's where Jesus Christ shows up. That's where in those low points, that's where I rely on God more. And that's where he shows up. Because sometimes, other times, I do it on my own. I'm a do-it-selfer. <laughs> you know, honestly, I would. Most of I, us I are. Know, I was going to say, I don't know if other people are that way. But um, 
yeah, I can troll around and, you know, get through an awful lot, but there's some things I cannot do. And I'm grateful he's shown up. So do you have a specific instance that with, you know, keeping the privacy of your children and that you could share uh, when he has shown up or just how you felt at a certain time when he has shown up? To tell you the truth, it's been a repeated thing. My oldest son kind of goes through cycles. He goes through cycles that, that are sometimes hard to live with. It's in those moments where I feel like I don't want to do this anymore, you know, or how can I possibly face this dancing with a porcupine kind of thing again? That's when I feel like when I've gone to bed and I can say my prayers and I can just plead with God and say, this is what I'm facing. I can't, would you please help me? And inevitably, Mary, he has shown up. And whether that's added strength to get me through or a change of heart for my son that is being difficult or distractions or wonderful friends that show up and change the tone. But every time he's shown up and I, I'm learning to feel that a little bit better or recognize his hand a little bit more. In the past, I don't think I've given him enough credit. I've kind of thought, oh, that all worked out. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he's his hand is in our lives much more than we even recognize. In the easy times, it's easy to just say, oh, I did that myself, isn't it? Yeah. And But when you get to that place where you feel like dust, you feel yeah. like your whole life is shattered around you like what do I do just put a blowtorch on it or do I <laughs> do I start mixing in some glue and try to build something <laughs> else with it and, and, and really he he can come in and just start building something because he built us like I said he built us out of dust he he can build our lives into something when they feel like dust yeah, yeah. so what else you know, what, what other, what other kinds of things would you share with somebody else who's going through this experience, <clears throat> whether it be with, with adopted children or whether it be with relationships in of any kind, because everybody is either like somebody said is either in a challenge, they're coming out of a challenge, <laughs> they're going into one. You know, <laughs> much that's life. <clears throat> or somebody else said, you know, if you walk down the street and look at somebody like half of them will are having a big challenge in their life. And somebody else said, no, half is too, too low. It's more like 90% yeah. <laughs> or more. So anyway, so what would you share with somebody else who's having any kind of challenge in their life, but especially relationship challenges or challenges with children? Yeah. I seem to be liking these quotes, but at church this last Sunday, there was a friend that was speaking and I loved this. In fact, I loved it so much that I asked for her to write this, a copy of her quote, but she said, the collision of the gospel and imperfect people in an imperfect world leads to a lot of complicated and confusing questions. Just spend a couple of hours in the Old Testament, and I guarantee we'll all have a lot of questions. And it just gets more confusing from there. Mm 
And then this is the part I loved. But maybe that's where the beauty and the nuance lies in the struggle for truth. And, you know, she went on to kind of explain that that's where we truly see the atonement of Jesus Christ and his grace at work. It's at that intersection, that collision of all of the imperfect things that we have going on. That's where Jesus Christ steps in. And so she said she no longer is afraid of gray areas because that's where she sees it. And that was helpful for me because we run into whether it's that collision of imperfect people or collision of gray areas where we feel one way about a topic, a social issue, something somebody's doing. There's always gray areas. There's, There's all kinds of things that we don't know how to deal with or how to navigate. But she helped me to kind of frame that and say, that's where in those nuances that's where jesus christ shows up that's where his atonement works so i think that that's what i would just share with anyone who's kind of searching wondering about those gray areas those challenging things those complicated because relationships are they're complicated people are complicated they're tricky And, and myself included but that's where Jesus Christ can really do his work and he he does it well. He's perfect at it. Exactly. The the only challenge is what will we let him do for us? Because he doesn't go in and force himself on us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had to learn that. That's probably why so much has been shattered in my life. <laughs> because I had to learn to let him. Yeah. I remember one time when my children were young and just being really frustrated over, I can't even remember what, and just being, it was probably something really simple. Like they just made a mess in the kitchen again. And now I'm so tired. I have so much to do, but now I have one more thing to do. Yeah. I remember just having this thought that came to me and that was your children are not the enemy. And that was so enlightening for me. Because I thought, oh, they didn't do this on purpose just to give me more work to do, you know? They're just being children. Sometimes, even when they're not children, even when they're a coworker or they're somebody in the community or somebody, a neighbor or something, they're just being themselves. They're not trying to give you trouble. Right. Every once in a while, they're trying to give you Yeah, but they're trying to they're just doing the best they can to deal with what they are feeling and what the, what is coming into their minds and their in their lives. And and I, I love those quotes because it, it reminds us that that's where the answer is. The answer is in Jesus Christ. We can't just think that we can do it all ourselves or give up, which a lot of people, unfortunately, today just give up, like give up one relationship and say, I'm good. Oh, that one wasn't my perfect spouse I'm gonna or my perfect partner I'm gonna go find another one but the thing is you take yourself with you and I love that you are recognizing that you're the one learning I have I've learned a ton I'm grateful my kids have taught me a lot I I had to go through this I think for God to save me wow that's interesting for God to save you I, I remember the quote from a um, family counselor who said that the product of parenting is not the child, 
the product of parenting is the parent. And we've talked about this before. And, and I love that, that you're recognizing that and that your, your success as a parent is what you become, not what your children become. What have you learned about boundaries? I've really learned that you need to employ them to tell you the truth. <laughs> um, and honestly, and that they're healthy. I think that in order for me to stay healthy, because sometimes they say that, you know, that, that we brought these kids that were, that were disordered and my kids are great. They really are. And just to your average person walking down the street, no one would ever know that they grapple with attachment disorders. I hope that they will, after being in our home, will be able to go and have really healthy um, relationships. But they've had, they've specifically had to be taught about boundaries and not using people and that boundaries help us. They don't limit us, but they set us free in a way. Wow. That there's great freedom if we stay in the bounds that are set for us. For example, with addictions, I, I do have a son that struggles with addiction. And one of his lessons that he told me he learned, because we said to him at one point, why, when you lived the pain of addiction with your birth parents, why would you ever go there? What, you know, what, why? It didn't make sense to us logically. Why would he ever start that? Uh -huh. And he kind of said, oh, I had to. I, I just felt like I had to. But what he learned in that whole process, and he still struggles, uh -huh. but he learned and was able to share with my other children was those boundaries of God saying, oh, don't do drugs, you know, don't do these types of things. That was to free us so that you didn't struggle with the addiction. Wow. Because now he has this issue that he deals with almost daily uh -huh. because he let himself go down that path. Does that make sense? Yes, very much so. So I've learned that those boundaries that God puts in place or that parents put in place or our, our government puts in place, sometimes those boundaries really are to protect us and free us. And they can be really, really healthy. And there's such value to them. It's one of the things that has stood out in my particular situation, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I think that one of the challenges in our society today is that uh, in the past years, there has been so much permissiveness yeah. given their have been so permissive with their children that society almost says, or, or whoever the experts have said, well, if you, if you put those boundaries on that will, that will diminish your child or it will ruin their self-esteem or, or things like that. Or if you say anything about, you know, to, to show them that their way of acting is not going to be good, you know, but those, that permissiveness has been really damaging to our society. Oh, very much so. And I do think our children grow up in a, in a very different world than I grew up in, you know, with their cell phones and their, yeah. you know, their access. I think they will find if, 
if they don't set boundaries for themselves, mm. you know, in the amount of time they spend on social media, you know, all of the studies are starting to say, boy, this is really damaging and ultimately will damage the society that we live in. Yes. Or a part of. I love that. What you just said that they <sighs> set boundaries for themselves, because I think that's what parents our goal is to try and teach our children to set boundaries for themselves. Yeah. And, but ultimately they're the ones who need to be setting those boundaries because nobody else can, I mean, a parent can do it when they're two. <laughs> right. Right. So, you did that. Well, I remember when you were raising your children, you, you were a good example of being able to suggest to your kids appropriate boundaries. And then they tended to do it well thank you what was yeah what was your secret <laughs> just doing just exactly what you said suggest to them but they had to choose it especially as they got older they still have to choose to set their own boundaries some of them have chosen better and at some times they've chosen better and that's like anybody I've, I've chosen better. And sometimes I've chosen worse to set my own yeah. boundaries and, and oh, do yeah. the things that I know are, are best. So you have learned to set your own boundaries for yourself and for your children. And that's important for your own mental health, right? It has been, it really has been as we have been pushed and pushed and pushed, you know, in, because a part of this disorder is that sometimes these kids thrive in chaos. And, and I don't understand that. And, and I don't live in that world. I, I really do like order and structure and, you know, anxiety producing stuff is not where I want to be. So I've had to, yeah, I've had to determine, okay, this is my line, you know, or this is my boundary, or this is, yeah, I've had to, to figure that out. And then had to figure out what that looks like to, to be able to maintain the health. Yeah, that is, that is very important. Any last words of wisdom you would like to share? There again, I love that title of this book. It's not supposed to be this way. The person <laughs> is upside down and, you know, kind of walking their line. And there again, I, I think I've walked a, a far different path than I thought I was going to, but there really has been so much beauty in it and I'm so grateful. And I guess I would say if somebody does feel upside down and crazy, <laughs> they're not alone. So many of us have been there and in the end, God can make good even when things are shattered beyond repair. I really do believe that. I really think this is going to be helpful to a lot of people. And I hope tons of people listen to it because I know that everyone is having some kind of challenge in their life. And your example is, your example is great for me because you moved away from where we met before you started adopting children. And I would just hear a little bit here and there. And I really actually didn't know how challenging it was for you. And I know sometimes people adopt and it's, it's beautiful and it's not challenging, but other times it is challenging. And what courage you had, even, even though you, you said maybe you were a little bit naive when you first did it. Yeah, you were. Still took courage to do it. And I honor you for that. 
And those children will in the future, I believe, honor you for that. And they are now. I'm sure they are now. They just wonder sometimes. All children have times when they wish they had different parents or they wish that they didn't have to do this or they could do that or whatever. So, Do you know what, Diana? I think that just as a finale here, because of that training you've given your children, because of that love that you thought would be enough, but you know what? Maybe in the end, it will be enough. It will be more than you're thinking right now or that they're thinking right now. And certainly their lives are going to be so much better because of what you've done for them. They may not be perfect, and I don't know any life that is perfect. So that's not a concern, but you know, their lives will be so much better because of what you've done for them. And we need to keep that hope. That hope is really important. So thank you for that example. I think that's a great note to end on. Hope. If hope. we can be hope-filled, for sure. And thank you, Mary. Thank you. Thank you so much.